Welcome to the party! Bang bang! It's Clay McMath, Claytron, the big boss man, the PhD of podcasts, and the clumsy jeweler because I'm always dropping gems. The milkman because I always deliver. I'm here with uh, another, another banger episode of Welcome to the Potty. And you think I've got a lot of AKAs? Man, we've got a guest today, Brittany Bloomer, who is, uh, you know, she's all across media, okay? And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna list her uh, little uh, skill set here, and it's gonna sound like, it's gonna sound like the Big Boss Man intro. Alright, so we've got TV presenter, interviewer, brand ambassador, MC, model, and by MC, I mean master of ceremonies. She's not, she's not spitting hot fire, okay? Uh, model, um, pageant reporter, social media collaborator, promoter, event planner. She does panels, online coaching, personal training, and she even has a business startup pack available on her website. BrittanyBloomer.com. You can see it in the episode description. And outside of that, she is the founder of a charity called Pound Paws. And yes, of course, we do play Sourced Unsourced in this episode to uh, to see where the Pound Paws ends up with a little bit of cash from Welcome to the Party. But you have got to wait for that. Anyway, we had a great chat, me and uh, Brittany, and sort of got a little bit of background, how she got into the, the media side of things, how Pound Paws started, and um, why why it is so important to her. And uh, yeah, that was that was a fun chat, and um, learned a lot about about Pound Paws, about um, you know domestic animals, and you guys will learn it all. I'm not going to tell you right now. But before we get into it, man, we got some we got some big news here. Uh, welcome to the potty. Well, in the works, in the works. But so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring it up just yet. But um, let me tell you, I was walking on air yesterday. I was moonwalking around the whole city, man. My uh, my pedometer on my Apple Watch went went to negative ten thousand yesterday, uh, which means I put on about four kilos. But that's fine. That's fine. I was, man. I was walking on sunshine. Hit that, hit that sample real quick, uh, money making Mitch. Fucking positivity goals. We need to stop that as a, as a society as well. By the way. On, uh, on social media, something something goals. I'm off that. I'm off that. I've had enough of it. Be you, man. Stop trying to be someone else based on a picture. Base your life on real life. Okay? Um, man. Well, I know I know you like you guys like it when I bring you the the Clay's reviews. So before before we get into uh, the interview with Brittany. Um, money making Mitch, how about you take us to Clay's Reviews? Comedy action or horror? Will this movie win an Oscar? Set design, directing, acting, lighting, or costumes? This segment is Clay's Reviews. Alright, well, I've only got one for you this week. Um, and that is Sleepless, available on Stan, starring Jamie Foxx. Uh, with a little, little part from T.I. in there as well. Uh, yes, of course, he kept his accent, but that's fine. Um, they were supposed to be in Las Vegas, but he was clearly um, he was clearly based out of Atlanta, uh, as always. But um, yeah, man, this movie was action from beginning to end, and I mean, it opened with action, closed with action, uh, and the ending really it solved no- nothing, answered no questions. Um, the story. Put it this way, the story was lacking, but there was explosions and gunshots and running and um, hand-to-hand combat. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the movie in a nutshell. If you can imagine that, you basically don't really need to see it. 
Um, but you know, if you're trying to just tune out, you don't want to think too much. You want to see a bit of action, some fighting. Um, go ahead, go ahead and watch it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say don't see it. It's not the worst movie in the world, but it's certainly not the greatest. Uh, six out of ten uh, for Clay's reviews. That's the only movie I saw this week because um, me and Rachel actually went out for dinner and and went to a comedy club this week. Uh, here's the kicker. We didn't realize that it was a huge night um, at the club on this night. So we went there without tickets. Uh, there was a lineup and we had to wait for everyone to go in to see if there was still capacity for us to get in. And there was, but we had to stand. Okay. Now, I wasn't prepared for this. So we stayed for probably three quarters of the, the night, but my knees and my back started to ache and I was like, man, like, can we get out of here? And as soon as we were walking down the street to go get an Uber, I felt fine just because I started moving, you know? So anyway, the reason I'm talking to you about this, this comedy club is because I got this strange little story. Uh, we went to the comedy club, we went to an open mic night about 18 months ago and there was this, this dude there um, and it must have been one of his first times or whatever, but he had he had notes in his pocket, but he was trying to, obviously he was trying to, he was trying to do his little five, 10 minute set without his notes and he got stuck, you know, a bit of, a bit of stage fright or whatever and he had to take his notes out and he, he was clearly so fucking mad at himself for it. And so the rest of his set, he's telling these jokes, but he's just, he's telling them so fucking angrily. And it was actually really funny, like it could have been a bit, but it, it clearly wasn't a bit. Anyway. I recognized him last night and I, I approached him. He wasn't performing. He was just there to watch the uh, the guys that were performing last night. And I, I approached him. I was like, oh shit, like you probably don't even remember doing this set, but I saw you at an open mic night about 18 months ago. Um, and he's like, oh no, like I was so shit back then. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I, we thought you were funny, man. Like there was some pretty, there was some pretty average guys there that night, but you, you were pretty good. And um, you actually like had to pull your notes out of your pocket and you got so fucking mad at yourself, but um, it was actually really funny. And he's like, oh fuck. He's like, come next Friday. Like I'm, I'm way better now, blah, blah, blah. So I might go next Friday. But anyway, when once I left, I was like, oh shit. Like, did I just neg that dude? Like, and for those of you that don't know what negging is, it's supposed to be a pickup technique uh, out of this book called The Game by Neil Strauss. Uh, and it's like about being a pickup artist and being able to pick up chicks and all this. And negging is when you give someone like a a, a compliment, but it's kind of like a diss at the same time. So if you're talking to you, to a girl and you're like, oh, your gigantic feet are so adorable or something like that. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to do negging or whatever, but I was I walked out of there and I started laughing to myself because I was like, did I just neg that dude? And like, I wonder if he like wants to go on a date <laughs> or if he like thought I was a groupie or some shit, but like, um, yeah. So depending on how I feel that he feels, I may or may not go to his, uh, his set next Friday. But if he, if I think that he thinks that I'm like a groupie, I can't, I can't show up to that shit. He's going to think I'm following him or something, even though he told us to go next week, but I don't know, man, but that was funny. I thought that I negged a dude and like, Hey, maybe he wants to fuck me. Who knows? Oh shit. Wow. Cowboy. Anyway, you're probably wondering why, um, we've got a guest on, on the weekend all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to reverse, we're going to reverse how it all happens now. So instead of getting the, the guest on hump day, you are going to get the guest on the weekend and you're going to get me and Dante, probably just me, uh, as, as history, uh, presents. Um, whoa, you sound a little bit bitter there, Clay. No, I've talked to Dante and, um, this, this, this little, uh, shuffle of, of the schedule, we should be able to get Dante on a bit more frequently, um, now. So, so for now we're going to have guests on weekends and, um, we're going to have, me and Dante uh, on on hump day. So anyway, let's get into it, man. I know you're waiting for it, so we'll get into it here. We got Brittany Bloomer. Uh, she was a fantastic guest. She 
you know, easy interview. She's clearly been through the process before. She knew, she knew what she was doing. Um, and yeah, I got, I got a little bit stuck sometimes to be honest, cause the questions were answered a little, little too thoroughly and I had no follow-ups. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, if you hear that kind of, um, sloppiness, I apologize. That's, that's my own fault for, for not being prepared for the preparedness of a professional. You understand? Nah, it was all good though. Uh, yeah definitely enjoyed it so you guys sit back relax and enjoy welcome to the potty my guest Brittany bloomer You studied journalism, right? Yeah. What led you to that? Uh, so I've always sort of been interested in public speaking since a young age. Uh, would frequently speak at school assemblies about animal welfare, trying to fundraise through the school. And I kind of like the platform through that I'm able to achieve through public speaking. So after school, I think automatically the next best thing for me naturally to do was to look into studying journalism. And I felt that having the journalism, um, the journalist title would further assist me with getting my word out there, as well as educate me on how I could approach media outlets to further raise awareness. Okay, so in terms of like starting at a young age with the public speaking, yeah. uh, talking about uh, animal welfare and that, was like being a vet ever something that you thought about? <laughs> I think the it's just too hard education wise. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I love to, but I don't think I could ever really get to school to do that. Yeah. Did you grow up with animals? Yeah. So the first animal that um, was introduced into our family was two stray cats that we found in New Zealand. And um, we found them on the street when we were living in Auckland. And ever since they joined our family, it kind of opened up the realization of how much our family really loves animals. And I guess of the passing of my one which was called charlotte i just felt a big gap in my heart and that kind of brought me to doing volunteer work at a local cat shelter and just from there on kind of i always wanted to be around animals so you're born in new zealand i wasn't born in new zealand i was born in sydney but um my dad's work kind of had us traveling around a fair bit okay okay i think i can uh hear it a little bit here and there yeah people say that which is weird yeah, I pick, I pick it up a bit more sensitively because my my mom's from there as well. So, um, okay. yeah, I'm always I'm always teasing her about um, her accent when that when that sneaks sneaks through. <laughs> I don't know how I still have it, but fish and chips. If that sounds, <laughs> <laughs> that was alright. Uh, so when did uh, pound paws start? So pound paws officially was registered as a charity in 2014. But it's always sort of been something that I've kept on the sideline as a passion. I mean, in high school, I started a blog called In Our Own Skin, which essentially was pound paws, but just um, in a blog format. And that would involve me visiting pounds and rescue centers on the weekend, taking photos, uploading pets for adoption, and assisting um, the online viewers with finding a pet. And this was all well and cool during school because it meant I could have a distraction from work. And I'll just tap away at it on my laptop. But um, when I got out of school and found myself sort of in a full-time demanding job, I realized I couldn't really juggle this. And so that's where the idea of Pound Paws sort of came um, came to life. And I realized if there was an online search engine which could allow the users to search for their dream pet in Pounds and Rescue Centers, it would get me away from being the middleman and just kind of help the process a lot more seamlessly. Right, so that that was all you you starting pound paws. Yeah. Right, that's that's amazing. I don't even yeah. You know, I wouldn't even know where to where to start with um, starting a charity. But oh, it's quite complicated. Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> I had to get help with that one. Yeah. So, is that? Oh, I mean, you're you're a jack of all trades, but uh, so that's that wouldn't be like a full time gig, obviously, because you've got so much other stuff going on. Yeah, so Pound Paws has always been something that is just always been like a passion hobby. Um, it's always something I've kind of had to do on the side while I'm either focusing on TV presenting or 
full-time work. I mean, I just wrapped up a full-time marketing role earlier this year in the tech space, and that was super stressful, super time-consuming. And whilst on the side, I was organizing um, Pound Paws Dog Day events. So my stress level was pretty high back then. So I've made a promise to myself as of a few weeks to go to focus 100% on Pound Paws and really give it um, my all. And okay. Yeah, it's amazing to see the transformation. I mean, uh, we've locked in a bunch more dog day events. Um, we're getting a new website. And when I say we, it's I. I don't know why I always do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, it's uh, it makes it makes it a bit more uh, pound paws orientated than than just saying I. I guess. Yeah, it doesn't sound right saying I. Yeah. So. <laughs> we <laughs> we as in the business. The business is me. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, ever since I've really noticed the transformation of uh, the amount of time you put into something, the results are just so much better. Right. So how do, how do you actually go about rehoming the animals through Pound Paws? Yeah. So uh, the online search engine, that's great to have because it allows users to search for particular breeds because before I had a mass amount of emails, uh, people personally asking for me to find a particular breed. Oh, right. Oh, God, the time management for it was insane. Yeah. I mean, and um, before that as well, with the Pound Paws website, we had the rescue directory, which had a bunch of rescue groups on it, and I would manually upload every single pet that was in their pound. So I'd um, take it from their Facebook page or take photos on the day and then upload them. And then at the end of each week, I would uh, call the rescue centres and ask if particular pets had been rehomed. It was ridiculous how much time I was spending yeah. doing that. Um, and then I found a software which would automatically live stream it all. So <laughs> that helped. Yes. Oh my God. I can, that's, that's more than a full-time job. It was, I was doing yeah, really long nights doing that. It just, it wasn't sustainable to be operating it in that extent. So the software that has uh, been integrated onto the website has just made a world of difference. Uh, we're linked up with such big shelters like RSPCA to name one. Um, and they have hundreds of pets coming um, live through the Pound Paws website, which creates um, like you know new listings all the time. Yeah, so that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. So, did you have some connections within IT because of your your other job that could help out with the the IT on the um the website? No, no. Like so, that other job I literally only started last year in November. Oh, okay. It's like a six month period. It was a tech event, but um. Prior to that, anything to do with IT, I've kind of used Upwork Freelancer and just sourced it quite cheaply. Yep. And I probably wouldn't recommend that. I've had a lot of um, hit and misses with that. So if you're ever looking for something, some assistance in IT, I always go local. <laughs> okay. I was reading about pound paws that you, you educate the public on on the dangers of mass breeding, buying from pet shops, etc. How yes. How do you do that? So the way that I choose to do this, I don't want to push it down people's throats and just kind of make people feel a bit overwhelmed by it all. So I try to do this in a fun, entertaining style. Um, a great example would be Petflow. We had the real quirky swimwear with people's pets on it. We created a really funny video. Um, this went viral online. We tapped into influencers to upload photos in their swimwear, but also write captions explaining about how important adoption is. Um, that was one great example. Another fun example is our dog day events, which um, we host around Australia and we have a bunch of rescue groups involved and we get people on stage to educate people about why adoption is great. And it just, the overall feeling we want people to feel is um, happy and they, they want to get involved in this adoption. So I think that's the best way to kind of approach it without yeah, jamming it down people's throats and making them a bit shocked about you know, what really kind of happens. If you can make people feel good, then that's important. How, how big a problem is mass breeding in Australia? It's bad. <laughs> it really does add to the numbers of pets on death row. And I mean, back in 2009, there was 250,000 happy and healthy cats and dogs per year getting put down. And that is just insane. Yeah. It's completely unnecessary. And in terms of like mass breeding, there's other factors that contribute to, to it as well. You get the typical dogs given as presents, trend dogs that get bought and then real, people realize that they're like a 10 to 15 year commitment and they're expensive as hell. Yeah. 
So there's lots of different um, factors that contribute to the cycle, but mass breeding, that is, that's, that's really bad. And you, you see a lot of it pop up on Gumtree, all these expensive French bulldogs from unlicensed breeders. It just makes me cringe. Yeah, right. So I guess it's just a, it's a pretty easy money grab if you know what you're doing with breeding. Well, yeah, I think that's why everyone's doing it because I see these French bulldogs selling for up to, you know, $8,000. And it is a trend, isn't it? Yeah. God, people go crazy for them. Yeah. I mean, the amount of Facebook groups I see people posting about these French bulldog puppies for sale. I'm like, you're not a licensed breeder. You can just tell. Yeah. Oh, cringe. And what about what about pet shops? So the update on pet shops is um, Animals Australia have been working quite hard towards this, which is exciting to see, and I've been following their updates. But um, they are banning the sale of um, pets in pet shops unless they are either rescue pets. So you are seeing a big change when you walk past the pet shops and the shopping centres now, but they are selling rescue pets, which is good. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Yeah, because they used to have, you know, support the puppy mills, which was pretty much, you can you can really come across in really bad situations in these puppy mills where it's just a mass amount of um, dogs breeding and really shitty conditions. And the puppies end up with like really severe health conditions and it's just not right. Yeah, that's something that I've always known about, but like chosen to be ignorant about. Like I don't, I don't really want to know it. Like I'm happy to yeah. not buy anything from a pet shop, but I don't, I, yeah, I don't really want to know about all that. Cause it's just like, it's heartbreaking. It's horrible. And I mean, the video is the next level when you watch them. It's just so confronting. Yeah. Now I just had a thought. Did you, did you watch that? I don't know. Uh, if it was a documentary, I didn't. I didn't watch it. Rachel watched it, but it was on Meghan Markle just before the the wedding. Oh, I haven't seen that. Because uh, I caught I don't know ten fifteen minutes at the start of it and was talking about how much she used to um, advocate for. I think it might have even been for women um, at at such a young age. Uh, and you were speak, you were talking about how you you loved public speaking at such a young age. It seems strange that uh, a child would would love public speaking. Really? <laughs> I mean, it's one of the, the biggest fears in the world. I know children have less fear than, than adults, but um, like you still you still do experience getting judged by your peers as a child. So I think it's it's strange that that's something that you, you had no fear doing, you actually enjoyed. I felt like I, was, I didn't get judged in my childhood as, as much as now. I love the fearlessness I had. <laughs> yeah. I feel as we grow up, there's more opportunities for people to judge and all of that crap. But what I loved about being young is just that fearlessness. So I still try to implement that as much as possible. Right. And the, the judge, the judgmental side of society is 24 seven now with social media, as opposed oh, to God, like yeah. only getting judged at school or at work or whatever, or, or bullied even. Um, it's just all, all day, every day now. It's insane. And it's so easy to tap into it as well. Just by clicking on an iPhone, we can pretty much, yeah. See yeah. it happening. Um, so back to the journalism side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, your website has you listed as so many different uh, things from, you know, a television presenter. Um, oh, I, I don't even remember what else is, <laughs> is on there. There was, there was like, I don't know, 14 different services that you, you offered. <laughs> um, brand ambassador and... Um, MC and stuff like that. What probably probably two separate questions. Where where do you enjoy yourself most as as um, uh, a model or MC yeah. and and where do you see most of your talent? I thoroughly enjoy MCing at the Pampers Dog Day events just because I'm so passionate about the topic and it's just something that I've created. I spent a lot of time in the beginning of TV presenting, trying to kind of find my way through different jobs and I found myself presenting for sports channels, um, Fox Sports Channel 1 for the Brumbies Rugby to even fashion events at Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. But I mean, my core passion is animals. So it's quite funny to look back at all that, that hustle and then finally realise that where I am is where I've built to be. It's um, emceeing at my own charity event and that's where I'm happiest. Yeah, and I've, I talk about this a lot with different, um, you know, entrepreneurs and stuff that I have on on the show uh where just that 
something that you built yourself, you can, you have so much more pride and, and happiness associated with it. And it's, you may, you probably work harder than you've worked at anything in your life, but it's, it's, it doesn't seem like work and it's just easy to do. It's so spot on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so um, spot on. And did I see somewhere, I don't remember if it was on your website or somewhere else that you, once you graduated from, where did you study journalism? It was Morris Morris Academy. It was an online course. I haven't got the attention span to ever go to uni. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so you graduated from that and sort of started doing your own stuff like on, on YouTube and stuff. Is that is that right? <laughs> so this, I cringe about this so much. So straight after school, I would hang out outside Hugo's Bar, which was this trendy sort of Friday night thing. And I would set up a tripod and a camera and a microphone and when people were walking into the venue, I'd be like, hey, so what are you drinking tonight? Just asking real stupid, but <laughs> fascinating questions uh, just to try to build my profile and get experience. And I mean, it worked, but God, I had to delete all those YouTube videos the other day. <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, it, yeah, as, as long as it worked, I guess. <laughs> it definitely got me experience. I felt more confident approaching people and in front of the camera. Do you... Do you create your own content still? I mean, maybe let's say six months ago before you decided to put all your time into Pound Pause, were you mostly just doing, you know, stuff for Fox Sports or um, Channel One or whatever, or were you were you doing some of your own projects well, as well? I find the thing with TV presenting, it's very here and there. So the stuff with Fox Sports and Channel One, that was like a, a stint that happened yep. and it wasn't continuous work, whereas you kind of have to create your own work in TV presenting. And that was where a lot of my work was. I'd be pitching to sort of pageants overseas and they would get fly me over and work for them for an event. But it was always sort of event-based. Um, but yeah, nowadays, most of my sort of creating content is dedicating to Pound Pause when we go there and film videos. But I'm not presenting in those ones. But it's interesting to see how the scope of editing has changed. I used to be editing all my... Hugo's Lounge videos or pageant sort of videos of daily recaps. But now it's very much focused on just pound pause. Right. Um, and with the, the, you said fashion pageants, was it? Yeah. What, what are that? They're not like the, are they the kids ones or is it like Miss Universe? What, what kind of pageants well, are they? It does vary. So I, I first got involved in pageants because I saw that as a platform to a public speak and B raise awareness about animal welfare and I went into it and it was a lot of fun. We got all dressed up, we met a bunch of um, friends from all over the world and um, I realised that I probably didn't have a chance of winning them so I pitched myself as a potential MC or TV presenter to the companies and then that's when the job started happening each year where I was doing the MCs for the finals for each pageant and also doing daily YouTubing for them, which was really fun. As an MC, do you write everything yourself? Um, well, there was this one funny, um, inst not incident, was situation in uh, Korea, South Korea, where they gave me my MC script and it was all in Korean. Oh. <laughs> it in and it was like half an hour before the finals were on. So I just ad-libbed. Yeah. That's... Now that's that's a very tough um, skill. Ad -lib I feel way better ad libbing. Oh, so do I. It's <laughs> yeah, memorizing is not not my bread and butter, and um, ad libbing is a lot more natural, and you can you can see it. Hundred percent. But yeah, you can tell when someone's like memorized something. <laughs> but you can also tell when somebody is struggling to ad lib, and it's it's painful to watch. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. In the world of social media today, yeah. what what do you find to be your best promotional tool to get uh, you know yourself and Pound Pause out there? Hands down, Instagram. Instagram. I mean, uh, yeah, hands down. I've spent so many months and a lot of my personal financial savings on creating Pound Pause website in the early stage. Yeah. And it just makes me laugh about how many more adoptions is on Instagram instead of a website. Yeah, I, I've I've found that like for for business, a website is it is compulsory, but it's almost useless. Yeah, people don't visit websites anymore. I feel that. Yeah, uh, if if you've got, um, you know, an Instagram page, as long as you're not like a 
you know, a tire company that people don't want to see pictures of tires. Like they'll go to your website, but if you're, you know, in media or uh, fashion, anything visual sports, people, people don't care about your website. They, they want their sports updates on Instagram. They want to see what dress so-and-so is wearing. It's so true. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. What's your favorite, um, way to consume media? This is a tough one because I would say Instagram, but Instagram can also be so, um, I wouldn't say negative, but draining in a sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I waste so much time on it. And I feel like a zombie when I'm on it as well. Like it doesn't activate any area of my brain. Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) Yeah. I had to do a big cull on um, a lot of Instagram handles and just follow quotes and kind of motivational stuff. Yeah. I think it's made a difference. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. I, I think if you, yeah, if you create your you know your feed um with with a goal in mind i think it can be very useful but if you're just you know following you know something that you may be interested in but you're not sure what kind of shit they're going to be posting you can you can get a lot of negativity even if it's not towards you you can see the comments that people are like saying to people and get so ugly yeah definitely it's yeah there's a lot of there is a lot of ugly on there but there's also a lot of beauty yeah. And beauty being the rehome cases. We've had some amazing rehome cases done in a matter of just hours off Instagram. That's that's incredible. That um that it's strange to me that there wasn't something like that before. I mean it's not something that I've ever thought of, but it just seems it seems so simple. There um, is um in America they're quite onto it, which is really good. Oh, okay. Have, yeah, you can search for breeds in pounds and rescue centres and they've got a like a massive amount of rescue pets available for adoption. Right, yeah. I see that quite often, um, like the RSPCA or I don't I forgot what it's called in, in America, but it's it's often people's like go to charity. Um yeah. but the problem just doesn't seem to be going away. Yeah, so I what I wanted to focus on with pound pause, I mean RSPCA is great and we involve them in all of our events, but we also want to assist the smaller rescue groups too. Um, we've come across a bundle of them as well and um, they also assist the local council pounds by um, helping the de- desperate sort of pets on death row. Yep. So we want to really kind of provide a wide variety of different rescue groups um, on our website. So I don't know what kind of what kind of time frame are you are you looking at to see um, to see change in the amount of uh, rescue homes and the the decrease in um mass breeding yeah okay um i think that there's like different steps to it and i think the first step which i wanted to reach was um like firstly raising awareness about pet adoption and then secondly almost making it a trend but the thing to do but sustaining that trend so that everyone sort of automatically feels it's a right thing to do to adopt so when they think of when they're about to get a pet the word adopt gets, you know, triggered in their head straight away. They don't even consider the choice of going to Gumtree or a breeder. Yeah. I think that's probably the the best um, sort of approach first up. Um, but then there's a lot of other brilliant sort of campaigns going on, like Getting to Zero, which is implementing no-kill policies in pounds and rescue centres across Australia. And there's a lot of amazing rescue groups that are 100% no-kill policy, so you won't ever have to worry about pets ending up in death row. So it is generally um, the council pounds that have the death row. So um, if we can bring the mass amount of people to the um, council pounds and adopt, then we can reduce the amount of these pets on the death row list each week. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the big key is education. Just a lot of people have no idea about what really goes on. Yeah, that's interesting that uh, there is that, that many groups out there preventing, um, you know, killing animals, but... You know, it's still like like you said before. What what was it? Two thousand and nine. There was two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. It's yeah. Roughly that many. It's do crazy. you know? Do you know what it? Um, what kind of number that looks like in more recent times? I haven't got the like exact number, but um, the, I remember. I think it was two thousand eleven. It went down to two hundred thousand or something. I oh, okay. Well, I mean, so that's, that is something that I've been meaning to follow up. That's significant, though. Fifty thousand in two years. Yeah. So we are we are getting towards a better, um, more positive future for the companion animals. And that must feel so good, like being able to see quantified how how much of a difference that 
you're you're making. Like obviously there's different different groups out there, but you're you're one of them. And seeing that number drop like that must must you know be like yes, like let, let's keep doing this. Yeah, and uh, I mean all the rescue groups working together makes such a big difference as a whole. But for me personally, like free sharing pound pause kind of listings on my personal network, it's amazing to tap into. Um, friends and family that are on there and just kind of engage in their reactions and a lot of people just have no idea and that's massive for me just shifting their views so i mean it's this powerful platform we have online to raise awareness and yeah a lot of people are choosing to adopt now is there a way for you to measure how how these people's views can shift I guess just through the adoption statistics, how many more people are choosing to adopt. Yeah. But I am seeing a lot more of my newsfeed of people sharing pets for adoption and kind of, even at the dog parks, people always be like, this is my rescue dog. Like, they're very proud of it. Which yeah. Is nice. Yeah, that's great. So what does success mean to you? And um, what what are, what are the next steps for you in terms of pound paws? Yeah, so success to me is results <laughs> um, and also being able to pursue something that you're truly passionate about. Um, the next steps for me with Pound Paws, I would love to expand our dog day events all over Australia because I've seen how successful they are for not only rehoming the rescue dogs on the day but also raising awareness to a mass amount of people just in one, in one go. Um, I would like to work on a lot more PR campaigns. We had a brilliant one with... Um, Airbnb where we partnered different rescue groups um, to do social impact experiences to help them fundraise so if I can use um, the PR marketing skills which I absolutely love doing and help out more rescue groups then that would be great to do a lot more fun exciting um, campaigns throughout Australia Um, and also I would like to I know in New South Wales they're far behind in the pet shop um, kind of situation where they haven't Banned that yet so that would be great hopefully this year <laughs> yeah and do you who who inspires you uh is there anybody that you're modeling yourself after in terms of your your career mm, Bardo, no <laughs> <laughs> um i think anyone who's anyone who i see is very secure in who they are and are very strong of their brand and are really putting themselves out there i really admire and yeah, I really respect that, but I can't really think of anyone in particular. I feel maybe like Richard Branson, how he demonstrated that you don't have to be like hugely intellectual to achieve insane results. I like yeah. that. Okay, so if, if you've got five five seats available for a, for a dinner party, who are you who are you inviting? Well, probably Lynn White from Animals Australia, um, Mark. Townsend from RSPCA, Tim Vasudeva from Animals Australia. Um, I want to get someone that's really like king at marketing, really good at marketing. I'm trying to think who. I've got three more seats, don't I? Two more. Two more? One of the seats is yours. I'd have to get someone who's got a, one of the seats of mine. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> I want to get someone that's significant in um, the media industry that can help us raise awareness. And I'd have to get like a someone who's like a cruelty inspector that can make sure the regulations are always on top of everything, and then we can talk about a great approach to pet rehoming and how we can tap into the whole Australian mass as a whole and work on a big project together. That would be cool. I would love to work on a massive project like that. I like where your head's at. Thank you. <laughs> are you are you a vegetarian? Yes, okay. but I eat seafood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> getting there. <laughs> yeah. How long, how long have you been vegetarian for? So I've been vegetarian for a year now, so a bit of a late bloomer. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the What the Health documentary switched me. It's, it's quite interesting because I feel I was probably in a similar situation with a lot of people where we kind of turned a blind eye to it yep. and sort of didn't want to face reality of what goes on but um i knew that i always wanted to switch off from meat but i was kind of it's a shitty excuse but i thought about the social circumstances of it and if it would be difficult and now that i'm vegetarian it's not at all <laughs> it's really not even a hassle i know i'm doing good thing and i feel great about it so yeah 
I think that is a that's a movement that is growing almost more than any uh, vegetarianism and veganism. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, the yeah. just my own social media feed, and I'm not I'm not anything. I just eat whatever. But yeah, my whole all of my feeds on social media are very strongly advocating all of that, and I don't. It's not because of what I click on. It's just it's very much because of the amount of people that I know that are that are starting to lean that way and yeah it's even just like the first week or two weeks of choosing well I, I did a bit of um trying like the vegan trying to be vegan and the two weeks that I was vegan because I did it for about a period of I think it was six months or so but the two weeks the change you feel is extraordinary it's so different you feel so light and your energy levels are great as well and it's doing a lot for the environment too before I let you go, we've got yeah. a game that we play with our guests called Sourced Unsourced. Sourced Unsourced, okay. So <laughs> it is essentially true or false. True is sourced and yeah. false is unsourced. I've got five statements and you'll say whether it's sourced or unsourced. Okay. And if you get three out of five, uh, yeah. 50 bucks goes to Pound Paws. Oh, this is so sweet. <laughs> One of these we've already discussed, so I'll, I'll give you the softball first. Okay. 250,000 healthy and treatable dogs and cats are put down each year. Source, but depends what year. <laughs> yeah, well, according to BrittanyBloomer.com, that is sourced. <laughs> All right. Um, the slogan for EA Sports is, it's in the game. Sourced. Yes. Okay, it's looking, it's looking pretty good for pound paws right now. <laughs> the first fashion magazine was published in France. Uh, uh, I'm just going to say sourced. Unsourced. Ah, <laughs> Germany in 1586. Shit, <laughs> I meant to know that. <laughs> the date on the back of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, well, you didn't need to give me a date. I just needed to know um, the country. All right. Men's shirts are buttoned on the left, women's on the right. Oh god, this is this is frustrating because I'm trying to do the mirror thing, so yeah. when the person's facing me, so their left or my left? Um. See what I mean? Yeah, that's that's tough. I'm gonna say. Uh, so if I'm looking at the person, is it on their left side? Let's, Sorry, is it on? <laughs> let's say uh, as you're buttoning the shirt. Shirts are buttoned on the left, women's on the right. Oh, unsourced. Unsourced, correct. <gasps> yes. So that's three. Winner, fifty bucks to um, pound paws. Yeah, yeah. Thank and you. um, we'll do the last question just for good measure. Okay. Eyeliner was discovered in King Tutankhamun's tomb. Ooh, I'm gonna say sourced. Sourced, yes. Four for five. That's a solid effort. Smarty pants. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, that's fun. <laughs> Do you have any any plugs? Any uh, You want to plug your social media, any appearances? Um, obviously, we've already... The, if they don't understand that Pound Paws is the charity to go to by now... <laughs> yeah, we didn't drill it in enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we've got the dog days coming up. So if anyone's in Wollongong, we have um, North Gong Dog Day on Saturday the 15th of September mm -hmm. from 12 to 5. And if anyone's located on the northern beaches, so these are both in New South Wales, um, we have Mo Parkhouse Dog Day, which is located in Monavale, where the old Mona pub was. Um, and that is on the 3rd of November on a Saturday. And we've just locked in Brisbane Dog Day, which I believe is on the 29th of November on a Saturday. Awesome. Exciting. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to be on the show. No worries, thanks for having me. No worries. Get up, stand up, stand up for your right. Get up, stand up, stand up. For
There you have it, everybody. Brittany Bloomer. She is focused, determined. Uh, you know, usually when when you you ask people who would come to their their dinner party, uh, they start they start naming off celebrities. You know, you want Leonardo DiCaprio. You want um, you know someone. So you want Oprah, right? You want you want like a President Obama. Brittany's out here thinking about about. Uh, turning this into a business meeting, uh, and like I said, I like where her head's at. She's uh, yeah, she's she's about to do some big things, and um, you know, like like we said in the interview, those those numbers dropped off from 2009 to 2011. Um, it's been seven years since then. The hopefully the numbers are lower and and decreasing day by day, month by month. You know, uh, and I would say I would say that Brittany educating everybody on on you know mass mass breeding and and all of this is is a is a major factor so yeah i i i support that wholeheartedly and welcome to the potty lost source unsourced yes again uh, yet again so 50 bucks to to uh pound pause so um you know check the episode description for all uh britney's links and and get to the, get to the pound pause website donate what you can and and see if we can help make a difference as well. Um, but yeah, let's let's finish this off with uh, with a couple of little things here, like um, LeBron James again. Yes, yes, we know he he built a school and and it's all free and all all this fantastic stuff. But he cannot help but to move so suspect, so so suspect. He's he's working out, you know. Lakers are at training camp, whatever, and he's working out with a long-ass jersey on and spandex only. No shorts. He looks like he's in a dress. Uh, This will not do, LeBron. Why must you insist on just moving so suspect at all times? Bruh, put a pair of shorts on. Put a pair of shorts on. You ain't in the NFL. You ain't in the AFL. Put some effing shorts on. Man. What's he doing? Uh, he's trying to be funny, you know, with his uh, his tweets and all this. Atlanta, Atlanta decided that they're going to send Melo a jersey. Uh, they said good luck to him in, in Houston, H-Tan. Uh, sent him a jersey and LeBron commented on it. Um, like, you know. Way to go, way to go in your time in the A or whatever it was. He said something hilarious like that. See, we're all, we're all cracking up, LeBron. You're a regular comedian. Um, yeah, he said something like that. And then then he, he posted a picture on uh, his Instagram story today of him like looking mad swole. It was obviously photoshopped, like more swole than usual. He said that Luke Walton said that LeBron's going to play a bit more five this year. And he said, okay, coach, send this... Massive, this picture of him looking like uh, I don't know the names of any of these these power, these bodybuilders Jordan Biggie Stephens could tell you but looking like one of them um, yep, yep, you're funny LeBron um, in saying all this all bets are on for him getting uh, MVP this season um, I might put money down on that today if that's, a, if that's already a market um, LeBron James MVP this season. It's probably not. It's probably not um, a hot take, but you know, he only gets better with all those steroids. I mean, practice. Um, shit. What else, man? The birds are going off today. I apologize if you can hear that. We've got all the we've got all the soundproofing up, so hopefully you don't hear it because the mic should only be picking up my voice. But it is sloud, sloud. These bird. I wish I knew what they were talking about. I wish I could translate bird, like the animal, not not females. Well, both. I wish I could. I wish I could translate both. Good morning, Good morning. to you. The birds are chirping. Ain't Good morning. Man, it's been productive out here for me today. Got some new uh, some new tires on my car. Got a wheel alignment. All that went and got some uh, some breakfast with my moms, and 
I'm about to go and fight for my country on Call of Duty, uh, take care of that business. Uh, I've got to make sure I stay, stay sharp. The next one comes out in October. I've put my pre-order in. Uh, shout out to EB Games. And um, yeah, man, I hope everybody has had a great weekend, kept it safe. Uh, I hope nobody's nagging on dudes like I was uh, at the comedy club last night. Um, shout out to Rhino Room in Adelaide. And um, yeah, as always, uh, make sure that you, you follow us on uh, whatever you, you listen to podcasts on, but you're already listening. But make sure you follow us on um, Instagram at Welcome to the Potty, on Twitter at Welcome Potty, on Facebook, Welcome to the Potty. And email in any poor posture of the week. I have done it again. I've done it again. Poor posture of the week. Hit it, money making, Mitch. Poor posture of the week. Now there's this thing called the Margaret Carnival. Um, I'm not sure where it is. It's definitely in the US. Uh, this comes from a publication called the Kent Online Reporter. So, yeah, I don't know where, I don't know where Kent is or Margate. Margate is the Margate Carnival. Anyway, it's supposed to be a family friendly, uh, carnival, but, and it's like a, it's like these, these floats, right? And so this float goes by and it's, it's got like zombies, like a blood soaked Mickey Mouse, uh, a chainsaw wielding maniac and it looked it was just like a horror thing and like all these kids were like crying and and they're talking about like you know the actors were just doing their their job and that they were going up to kids and looking them right in their face and shit. <laughs> i can only imagine this shit this shit sounds like it would scare me and i am a man i am an Anchorman. But yeah, I wish I knew where this Margate carnival is, but you wait, Moneymaking Mitch will put a picture of the float up. It looks, it looks wild. It actually looks wild, but um, apparently kids and shit were crying, which I don't, I don't see in the picture here, but um, that's the only poor posture of the week we got sent in this week, but that's fine. Their posture's not that terrible. You don't need to lock them up, nothing like that. I'm not mad at them. I, I feel like, you know, you know, they didn't do anything illegal. They scared some kids. Sometimes kids need scaring, you know? There's a lot of badass kids out there fucking around. But yeah, I almost signed off for the show again, but make sure you send in your poor posture of the week and listen to this fuck shit suggestions to welcome to the party at gmail.com. That was the only one we got today. Um, not too bad. Funny though. I, I like that. I like that. And I like where your head's at, but I don't, I don't particularly think their posture is that terrible. I think maybe the children needed it. Uh, you know, you know how I feel about all that. But man, yeah, I hope you had a good weekend. Make sure uh, you get to work. You stack them chips this week. And with me and Dante, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Bang bang. Welcome to